Hello and welcome to episode three of the Frame and Sequence podcast. In this episode, I chat with international award-winning photographer Jonathan Daniel Price, also known as Garçon John. Born in Scotland but based in London, he's probably best known for his unique fashion street-style photography, shooting for such clients as Vogue, GQ, Esquire, Mr. Porter, and many others. And in this episode, we chat about his early start in photography and his early blogging days, as well as how he got into street-style photography. And we also chat about his approach to his work to keep it fresh and unique, as well as our mutual love of all things Florence and Italian style. And I was immediately drawn to Jonathan's photography when I first discovered him on Instagram, so I will provide that link as well. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks so much for doing this, Jonathan. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Uh, Jonathan has been traveling, doing fashion weeks for the last month and is passing through LA and he's been good enough to sit down with me. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, I'm glad we got to this. Yeah, absolutely. What brought you to LA? Is it part of fashion week stuff? No, so I have only been to LA once before. And if you have the opportunity to go to a place, it's always great to grab that. So because I have New York fashion week coming up, next week i had a friend invite me to vegas and i thought while well, i'm over there on the west coast i may as well hit la as well so uh, yeah i'm here for a few days um shooting some stuff but mainly personal work and uh taking advantage of good light absolutely in january in london you're not getting good light yeah i, f- I feel like i need to apologize for los angeles it's supposed to be cloudy and rainy this weekend but i know my heart <laughs> is breaking but hopefully the sunsets have still been pretty good once it tonight was incredible dips down yeah good. good good what do you what do you like to shoot for your personal work i mean it's quite closely related to what you would see i guess in in you know commercial or, or client work i love people um so you know, today, for example, I've basically been shooting stuff for myself and it's um, mostly interesting characters that I found on the internet or friends of friends, recommendations, um, portraits, uh, you know, and I'm very open to locations. So some of them were met. I met, I met them here in my hotel and then some other people I just went to their apartment without seeing what their apartment looked like. And we just go for a walk and see what we can find. Wow. Very I organic. Love, I love the spontaneity aspect of that yeah very cool so how did you start in photography so photography in retrospect was always a very big part of my life I when you're a child you don't realize that but I remember images very clearly from a young age so my mum is from London and when she was a teenager she was trying to make it as a singer so she had publicity shots from when she was maybe 18 um and as a child, I remember looking at these professional images of her and thinking, where was that taken? And what was her clothing like? And the lighting, in a way, I was looking at that too. And as an adult, looking back to that period, it makes me realize how important photographs were. And then also, you know, music photography was a really big part. So my parents' records collection, Uh, I remember looking at the Beatles Help album cover and the way they had their arms all out and asking my mom and dad what that meant and the fact they're sort of cut out on white. It just stuck in my head, you know, it was an important memory and all of those memories stick out quite strongly. So I think photography meant something to me or, or just generally images rather than just photography. And when I was studying a year abroad, which was my third year of university. I was at a school in the States, actually, in New Jersey, where they had dark rooms and studios. So I thought it was a good opportunity to try something I hadn't done, because I actually hadn't done a huge amount of photography other than that. Mm. Um, I had obviously experimented. This was kind of before digital photography really took off. So I had a 35 millimeter point and shoot camera that I would use, but it never crossed my mind that it could either be a career or really anything that I would do that regularly. I mean, it was just fun. It was really just fun. So, so yeah, when I went to the school, I, I did darkroom classes and studio classes. And I think that was the first point where I really felt it click. And I thought it was, you know, a great way to spend my time. So every spare moment I was in the darkroom, basically. Do you feel like there's anything you took from your training in the darkroom into now digital? Was there a thought process because it 
you sort of have to be very selective in the mm. prints that you make because of the time and material constraint. Yeah, I think there's an ebb and flow. So there's, you know, you maybe take a few steps forward, a few steps back, or you kind of learn and change the way you're doing things all the time. So thinking about the first experiences of photography, um, it feels like so long ago now, actually. <laughs> I, I think yes, in some ways, yes. I remember clearly obviously the magic that everyone talks about when they develop the reverse photograph you know you see it emerge on the page in front of you in this fluid and that um yeah maybe thinking about it that process of like a, an image emerging is quite similar in a way to doing your own post-production you know sitting in photoshop and and seeing this image build in front of you even though my work isn't necessarily seen as highly produced you know it's not a massive difference to the original photograph um, without editing. But yeah, maybe that has made me take things a bit slower or yeah, like you said, selective, be more selective with the images I take. Right. Did you have a teacher back then or a mentor? Yeah, so I did have a teacher, obviously, in the classes I was taking for the darkroom. And he I remember quite clearly things that he would he would he would tell me. So I remember showing him photographs that I'd seen for years and years and years and always loved before I even thought about doing photography and asked him how he thought that it was made. You know what was the lighting like or what situation. And what I loved about his philosophy was he was not a snob at all about it. He was very much like you know you could take a great photo with the cheapest camera or you could take a great photo with an amazing like Hasselblad medium format setup it's very open you know it could be a lot to do with just being in the right time at the right place or it could be years of training to know that one piece of equipment or it could be just a great bit of light you know so that ideology i felt took maybe pressure off me from thinking it had to be perfect and just experimenting um and then also actually in terms of teachers my high school art teacher was a big part in in just art in general because she would bring in magazines to school for scrapbooking or collaging if, if that was ever a topic that was brought up in high school. And I would spend a lot of lunch times in art class. I mainly did painting though. And in my time other than doing painting, I would um, yeah be looking at magazines, mainly fashion magazines like Vanity Fair or Fogue or something like that. And I think that really influenced why fashion was the sort of avenue that I took. Oh, interesting. So. At what point did you start getting more serious about photography? Um, well, around about the time of graduation, after I was learning photography in the darkroom, then I started to shoot more regularly. And then when I graduated, which was 2009 maybe, or 2008, it was when blogging and digital media was really just starting. So. I was on Flickr and I would look at blogs a lot over my whole university, actually four years I was at university. I loved looking at blogs and it was a very different time of blogging. You know, it felt a lot more like a community feeling, especially as like an 18 year old, 17, 18, 19 year old. I felt quite plugged in and like I loved discovering new things and you would, you know, re you would actually comment on people's blogs and like they would respond. And now that whole culture is sort of transferred to Instagram, but because there's so many millions of Instagram users, it, it is a community, but it's it's like a, a massive mega city. It's not the village <laughs> feeling that it was oh, with great. blogging. Yep. And, um, and so that I think gave me a view that photography, um, sort of should be taken more seriously and I should really practice it and do it more regularly because I was seeing how other people work and reading about how they worked because people were talking about being a photographer or even on Flickr, you know, the functionality of seeing what f-stop they used and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I think I probably wouldn't have even considered asking someone the technicality of something like that if I hadn't just seen it already laid out there on Flickr. Right. I remember those Flickr days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was always fun to discover new photographers on there. Totally. So when you first started working professionally, was that directly into fashion? In a way, yes. I mean, the clients probably were brands. Yes, they were, in fact, thinking about it. So it professionally all started around blogging because I started a blog in Glasgow called Le Garçon de Glasgow. So 
it was about culture, art, street style, nightclubs, you know, it was all different types of things. So I started that with my best friend Daniel and it was really a passion project. You know, we were teenagers and we were just sort of experiencing life and wanting to document that and put it on a blog. One of the main reasons actually I wanted to do it was because when I studied in the States, if anyone had heard of Glasgow, <clears throat> excuse me, mm -hmm. if anyone had heard of Glasgow, they would say, oh my God, isn't Glasgow dangerous? And uh, <laughs> I mean, in some ways they are. At that time, it was the knife crime capital of Europe. But um, the Glasgow that I saw was not dangerous. You know, it was really creative. It still is a very creative place. And I wanted to show Glasgow in a good light. So I did this blog to show the really, you know, fun, interesting side of the city. So then with the Garçon de Glasgow, around that time period when blogging was just taking off, brands were really interested in getting into digital media, but I don't think they really knew how to use it. Mm. So they were sort of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. And they, I, we had quite a few brands contact us. Um, very early days, so within maybe probably four months of starting the blog, in fact, Urban Outfitters wanted to do a project and then American Apparel wanted to do a project. And so that sort of made me realize that there was scope to make money from right. doing it, first of all. And second of all, that brands would even want to work with me. You know, like you, you wouldn't really have, I didn't think about it, you know? I mean, it was in my head, but I wasn't actively pursuing it. And so them reaching out to us to begin with, I think gave me confidence and knowledge about how the world worked. So, right. So, yeah. Wow. What do you think it was that they were responding to in your early work? Was it because it was sort of without abandoned and, or was it because it was sort of a new street style? Um, I think it was because we were one of the only people in Scotland with a blog. I would love to say it's because I had such a incredible skills that they wanted to jump on that. But no, it was probably because um, of the market. You know, there were a lot of blogs in London, style blogs, focusing on, on fashion or lifestyle type of stuff. But in Scotland, really, we were one of the only ones. There was one other one called Kingdom of Style and maybe like a couple other ones that did something similar to us, but not quite the same. So, yeah, I think it was them just wanting to see how it would work if they did a project and see what kind of numbers they would get in terms of sales, probably, off wow. the back of that. <laughs> Incredible, though, I mean. Yeah, I mean, when I look back at it, I have really fond memories, and I do think um, it's not that long ago, but I feel like the world has changed very quickly in terms of the internet and how we use technology. I remember even at that time reading an article about um, how users of the internet would end up using smartphones as their main device rather than a computer and thinking that's never going to happen and uh because i hadn't didn't even have an iphone at that point right. and obviously we now live in that time um so so yeah i guess it was quite naive but also uh it felt really exciting like it was genuinely exciting you know you didn't know what was going to happen you didn't get massive hate comments on <laughs> youtube videos and you didn't have you know people shaming other people for being human uh, it was it felt like more nurturing and just kind of experimental and yeah right yeah fun. i wonder why humanity as a whole has lost <laughs> <laughs> empathy knows? and compassion for others speaking of that kind of thing when you shoot people on the street are you ever self-conscious or was that something you had to work on getting over so yes there was definitely a barrier to approaching someone on the street that you've never done that before. I think there was a few things that worked in my favor. One is that Glasgow is a very friendly city. So 99% um, of the people I would speak to would say yes. And I knew they would say yes because it is such a friendly place. Um, I also think I was young and and just enthusiastic very enthusiastic so it was slightly nerve-wracking but i also was more focused on wanting to try this new thing than i was about what the negative response would be and there is an arrogance that comes with youth and i think i had a lot of confidence probably more than i do now even because you know when you're Ignorance is bliss. I mean, you don't know what failure is. You just go for it. And that's an exciting and great thing to have. So I think that all those things went into me not really being bothered about approaching people on the street. 
when I moved to London, that's actually when I felt more of a challenge. And around about that same time, in fact, I stopped doing street style, like legitimate, authentic street style, where you're stopping people who were not a part of Fashion Week. Um, and people are in a bigger city and they do not care what you're doing and they don't care about your little blog and your project. And so I really noticed the difference in, in approaching people. But I think it gives you a thicker skin, which is required right. in any creative world. Absolutely. Mm. And so from there, is that when you started moving into more of the fashion week? Yeah, so when I was in Glasgow, I, I really loved doing real street style because you know you were interacting with someone who was completely fresh and it was this new situation. And the challenging thing of that was the lack of subjects. So you know Glasgow doesn't have a huge amount of tourists so it wasn't like you were getting fresh blood through the city all the time and I would end up photographing the same people testament to their great style because they had lots of good outfits but it was getting repetitive and my friend Daniel who I started this blog with moved to London so I was going down to visit him and at that point street style blogs were popular and and there were you know quite a few like Face Hunter did a lot of stuff in London and the tutorialist was obviously already a thing. And I used to sometimes look at those blogs, I think mainly also because it was like a way of traveling to the city. It wasn't even really about the clothes that people were wearing for me. It was more about just seeing different types of faces and seeing different backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, when I went to visit Daniel in London, I uh, was doing regular street style and then also I was aware that Fashion Week was going on at times. So I, yeah, I think that was probably my first London Fashion Week going to visit him and just heading along to a Fashion Week and seeing how that was. And that, you know, that's exciting too, uh, because I was able to get a, a view of this world that I didn't really know that much about despite reading the magazines. And I saw the opportunity to get interesting and inspiring photographs that weren't really possible in other places because Fashion Week is this microcosm of incredible people so so yeah cool and was that first one just on your own as yes exactly so it, the first first one I ever did actually was when I was in studying in the states so it was New York Fashion Week when it was at Bryant Park and I had no idea I had no idea where I was going or what I was doing but I kind of knew that it was there and I just went along and sort of saw a couple shows and that was one of the main venues um, and then London Fashion Week was probably the first time I really took it seriously with the intention of doing street photography and capturing a moment. And it was just for myself. So it was just a sort of to, to shoot for the blog and and be experimental. Yeah, very yeah. cool. Do you feel like you had a distinct style right out of the gate? I feel like I was really drawn to your work because you have such a unique style that really stands out even amongst the street photography stuff and that's one of the things I just mm. have been wanting to ask you mm. <laughs> ever since I saw you work was that something that you consciously cultivated or how did your style come about well thank you for that compliment that's very kind um at first no I did not have a distinct style uh I I think you know I did a lot of other things other than street style street style was the vehicle to a career in photography um but I had m probably more of a distinct style in the other type of work that I did. So I started in obviously doing studio work in this course that I was doing. So studio photography, I could maybe be a bit more experimental because you have control over more factors. Then when I started doing street style, I was probably imitating what I saw other people do. I don't think I was really focused on making a style of my own. I was more focused on making sure the lighting was right and just getting a shot that worked i think i was you know I, in my head i would think how do they get these glowy shots or how did they get this moment and um it wasn't until i traveled a little and would shoot outside the uk that i realized oh this is what good light looks like in a photograph you can't fake it you know you can't make london look like the mediterranean right so it is what it is. And I would look at other people's work sometimes and think, um, why am I not getting the great photographs that they're getting? And it's simply light, I now know. 
I appreciate you saying that I've got a distinct style. Yes, it is a conscious decision. I think about four years ago, I had been shooting Fashion Week for a number of years. And I thought I'm standing here with anywhere between 10 and 50 other photographers of which I never see any of their work other than the few that I'm friends with. And where are these photos going? And who are looking at the, these photos? And I sort of had a, an identity crisis, I think, and I really thought, what do I want my work to say more than just standing here and documenting this moment? Because we are living in a time which is more documented than ever before, obviously, with iPhones and sharing it more than ever before with things like Instagram. So why am I doing this? And so my why, I guess, was trying to have some sort of different perspective, shoot it in a different way and and maybe photograph things that other people weren't photographing. So specifically, if you look at Fashion Week, there are m many, many moments where I'll be standing at a show and someone who is a celebrity or a high profile street style star will have photographers running towards them. And I just can't take a good photo when I am thinking in a split second, just got to get the shot. I need to have a little bit of quiet time or a moment to sort of find the spot and find the light and spend time with the subject. And, um, and so that was the decision I made, not to run, not to chase something that I will probably miss anyway by the time I get there. Right. <laughs> That's so, yeah. great. I mean, your, uh, your photos do have sort of a quieter, more reflective quality to them, which I really love. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Someone said to me the other day that, you know, half teasing, something, I can't remember exact wording, but it was something like, why are your photos so depressing? And I do think there is a melancholy <laughs> to a lot of the photographs. I am quite a nostalgic person, and I think part of it's that maybe, but but yeah. Quiet. I mean, there is there is narrative built into them as well. I mean, they're, you know, I, I, some street style photography, not all, of course, feels very, okay, that's a, Yes, that is that person wearing that thing. Yours have a narrative where you're like, all right, what's the backstory here? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Which well, I really good like. To hear. Yeah. Do you think that there's anything specific that influences your aesthetic taste? Is it past photographers or cinema or where does your sort of own taste come from? It is hard to pinpoint inspiration or references because I'm so overwhelmed with references even without trying you know even with something like instagram you're seeing new photos all the time i do love film i do really love film and i was telling you earlier you know if people ask me what would your alternative career be if you were to, ha to have another job and i usually say director just because i love movies and i think it would be a really fascinating world to be a part of it's not always conscious it's not like i'm necessarily thinking who is this person in this photo and like what, what am I trying to show them as it's an unspoken thing it's not a narrative in my head it just happens and sometimes with a photo it won't be until I'm editing it that I see oh hold on there was this you know they're wearing a t-shirt that has like uh, you know, some skate brand and in the background there was a skateboard leaning up against the wall behind them or something like that. You know, there, there's maybe something going on that I didn't quite notice at first and it just came together naturally. I do love the old masters. Like I, I do, you know, talking about light, you know, Rembrandt is the obvious example. I, I do love painting and I do enjoy going to galleries and looking at paintings and that probably has an influence on my work although probably not super conscious italy is incredible for light you I, know? Would, I would agree with that yeah paris for fashion week is my favorite fashion week if we're just talking about my street style work and it's called the city of light for a reason but i do think when i'm in italy even if you know, something else in the photo isn't quite right. I feel like I can probably make an image I'm happy with solely based off the light by making the subject do something that's maybe interesting, even if the subject itself isn't that interesting. But if you have good light, you can still make it work, you know? Whereas if you have flat light, for me, it really is a lot more about what you're actually photographing because you have to have something interesting or something going on in order to to be telling the story right. whereas you can have a quite simple subject 
but if you have interesting light then it makes a powerful photo photo so absolutely yeah i'd have to agree italy has a special place in my heart especially yeah. for the lights with all the fashion weeks every year in the same locations how do you keep fresh or do you try to come to each one with fresh eyes that is definitely a challenge it is definitely a challenge the good thing about fashion week is the venues often rotate so if you just take London, for example, a long time the London shows were mainly at Somerset House and a lot of the photographers loved shooting there because obviously the stone is light so it reflects a lot of light and it is a controlled environment. Cars couldn't go through there so you had a captive audience. But it was incredibly repetitive and it got boring and then they moved it and it was in Soho for a while at the Brewer Street car park, which was an Art Deco car park. And I remember everyone complaining about how it was going to be awful. And they still complained about those few seasons it was there. It was only there for a year or two. But I loved it because you had this clashing of worlds. On the Friday when Fashion Week would start, you'd have the office workers coming through and the regular working people of London especially in the first season not knowing what on earth was going on so they would all be like ogling and you would get this like messy mixture of people in the foreground and background and then over the weekends you would have the tourists you've got the old neon signs storefronts all sorts of things were going on and it just created a completely different type of photograph than what you would shoot at Somerset House and now it's moved to the Strand and that again is a different different set so that keeps you fresh and keeps it on the toes uh, it is sometimes a challenge for subject because there are definitely certain people I like to photograph more than others who work in the industry who have great style and just come across really naturally in a photograph but you always like newness and you know I want to have new people coming through and, and you do get that obviously you get a lot of different people coming and going in the industry but you know however many years I've probably been doing it for you know, I've been shooting street style for about 10 years and fashion weeks for about 10 years, I guess. Wow. And, uh, yeah, you it does become repetitive. So it is, I do consciously think, how can I make this different? I do, I do think that. Right. But it's very much in the moment because you can't plan too much, yeah. which is what I also enjoy about that experience. With all the fashion week stuff, is that, are you going out on your own or some of it you're hired by brands or a client? So over fashion week, I shoot for Vogue. So that's four months out of the year. I shoot the street style for Vogue International, which goes across um, nearly all of Vogue's other than American Vogue. Yeah, so that's a very open brief though. I shoot, I, I sort of understand what they want. So I, I was hired off the back of what I was already shooting for myself, which is obviously a wonderful position to be in. So I shoot a broad range of things. It could be portraits, which are just interesting faces. It could be much more about the style of the the, of the person I am aware of what's happening in fashion so I know what brands are becoming hot and what brands are not necessarily so interesting or what colors of the season are interesting mm. so it's slightly conscious to shoot a trend but trends aren't where I'm naturally inclined towards I think my what's paramount about that is taking a good photo so number one I just want a good photograph and then secondary it would be knowing what is current but yeah, it's conscious, but also subconscious because, you know, I, I sort of feel, it's a feeling of what feels fresh. So I'm not thinking within the split second you would see someone leaving a show, for example, or walking around. Actually, I don't, I don't always just stand outside shows. I like walking around the city other than just at the shows because you often get people who maybe work in a showroom or who are a buyer who's not going to the show, who just happened to be in the city because it's fashion week. Sure. And those are the moments I really love. And I, I'm not. I don't look at them and then think, oh, you know, maybe let's say two years ago when Vetmont was really huge and everyone was talking about it. I'm not thinking, oh, that's a Vetmont thing. I just need to go over there and shoot that because it shows the trend. By the time I've gone up to them or in the middle of shooting them, I realise that that is what it is. But it tends to just be me letting my instincts take over. Right. That's a fun way to shoot for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, Instagram is a huge part of how we relate to the world yeah. as visual storytellers. Do you enjoy Instagram? Yes, I do. I think it's definitely had an influence on my work and my view of photography. 
I can also see in the you know five or six years that I've been using Instagram, the average person, their visual language has changed because of Instagram. I think there's a more educated eye. If you look at what was very popular on Instagram five years ago, people would go crazy for what would now be considered a sort of average photograph just because the average person didn't really know photography or good images. And now people are more aware of what is an interesting photo. There is a downside as with all social media or everything really in life. I, it, it does limit you in some ways. There are photographers who wouldn't necessarily work on Instagram uh, or, and don't, you know, if you look at Martin Parr, you know, his photos, aren't Instagrammy, you know, there, there is a, there is a very specific Instagram type of photograph that works for that. For sure. You're looking at it on a small screen that's backlit and you have a, an, a sort of attention span of three seconds if you're lucky. So that's not going to be every type of photograph, even the brilliant photographs. So that's a shame because, you know, I do speak to people sometimes who love art or photography or really into Instagram and love Instagram and they all they know is Instagram photographers or the Instagram world and there's so much more to experience you know uh, so that's a shame but but it might be a good gateway to learning more about it yeah do you ever pull out the film cameras in general shoot film yeah 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 a lot so I so because I started on film it's always been special to me and actually my mum did photography for a while when I was a kid so I remember she would have the paper in her wardrobe and she would tell me like never open this box it needs to be in the dark you know so I always loved the idea of film photography and and you know it is more of a sort of scientific a magical experience like I described earlier than digital photography is I also actually think side note as a child it's a really great thing to teach a child because there's a lot of patience involved and it, your brain can understand more how it, how a photograph is taken and more how light is refracted through a lens into a piece of film which then reads the light than you can understand a sensor in a digital, ca digital camera. It would take a lot more explaining to figure out how a digital camera reads it, you know, pixels and all this kind of stuff. Right. So yes, I do still shoot film. I probably prefer the experience than shooting digital because it's a bit slower and I think I shoot differently on film in fact even today I was shooting an actor I was, had both my digital and film camera and as I'm shooting my own narrative in my head is sort of analyzing what I'm doing in a way and I was thinking how you know I'm not just replicating what I shot on digital and film I am shooting differently, you know, the lens is different, of course, so you're, you're kind of, it's slightly wider and I'm, I'm looking at the picture in a different way, but it's just a, a whole different way of approaching the way I stand, the way I'm talking to the subject, it changes. So I was just aware of that earlier today, thinking about it. Yeah. And I, yeah, I enjoy that. But then, you know, as the sun was setting, I had to only shoot digital because it was too dark to shoot film. So that's the brilliant thing about digital. There's so much flexibility. And I also know how much I can do in post with the digital image that I just couldn't do with film. Do you have any post-production philosophies or a way that you approach post? I definitely have routine with post-production. And it's interesting when you work with other people, let's say assistants and they have their way of doing things too and so when I describe to someone else how I want it to look and what process I would do and then get them to do it they would go about it in a completely different way which is quite freeing actually because it makes you realize we all can come of it different angles mm -hmm. and still get a good end result like for example over fashion week if I'm doing like my fashion week edit you have to be quite fast or, you know I need to do a delivery every day to clients and so I'm shooting all day especially over summer, you know, you've got long hours because you want to get right to the end of the good light. And so you're out till maybe like eight o'clock and then you go home and it's a lot of editing to do. So you need to go through a lot of images very quickly. And what I was doing for a long time is I would sort of edit in raw and then take it into Lightroom and do some Lightroom stuff. And I've got a, a preset that I made, which is my street style preset. And I would apply that and then I'd export and then take it back into Photoshop and do that. And I had tried so for so long just doing it all in Lightroom so it was faster. 
and maybe there's something I just do not know. There's some better way of doing it. I've asked multiple people and they don't know. But I just can't get the same effect if I just do all do it in Lightroom. So yes, there are things that I do and it's just the way I do things and you just learn over time. Especially actually with doing post-production stuff, most of that I taught myself. So I am sure I'm not necessarily doing things in the most efficient way. But uh, but it's the way I do it. So <laughs> I think everyone has their own yeah. formula with Photoshop. It's yeah. one of the things that drew me to your photos was I don't. It's it's a combination of everything. Obviously, retouching is part of it. But there's just such a richness to your pictures that the yeah. way that you handle color and shadow and the roll off between those, I love. Thank so, you. Yeah. I mean, there's two sides of the coin. On the one hand, you can't fake what's not there. So. Right. People say, how do you make it look so, or how did you make this photo uh, golden? Or uh, a client <laughs> will be like, okay, just make it look like that. And we're standing in an overcast day at 11 a.m. And I'm thinking, I'm not a magician. Like <laughs> the light right. was the way the light was, you know? Um, You're like, yeah, that was Rome in August. It's like, yes, <laughs> slightly different. So, so yes, there is something where, you know, I'm, I'm choosing the light that I like and I'm making sure I shoot in that light but also on the other side of it of course it's not like every single one of my photographs is taken in the Mediterranean between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. you know it's there is a there is a variety I do like playing with light a lot uh, increasingly more so as the years have gone on how do I make a richness I I really don't know actually I mean no I mean I know so much absolutely has to do with the light and the exposure and subject and composition and it's it's all the elements working together also the boring reality of photography is you know a large part of good photography is being able to select a good image and there are many photographs that don't work and aren't shown to people it's so what I share either online, which is what you will have seen, or even in a portfolio or like a, you know, a client shoot or something, is the selection of photos which did work. And being able to recognize that and recognize the best flow that tells a story and all that kind of stuff is a skill in itself, not just taking a good photo. For sure. So I think it's partially that. Right. I mean, do you feel like when you are out shooting, you're already sort of editing because of who you're picking to shoot, where you're picking to shoot, that sort of idea? Mm, yes, I think I probably, um, if I'm doing client work, which is, you know, art directed, obviously, yes, that has been planned and you're trying to keep it as close to that narrative as possible. So in a lot of ways, that's easier because you're, you already have a structure if it's something like street photography or street style of fashion week, it's a lot more instinctual. And because I've been doing it for so long now, I definitely have learned the flow. I've learned how to go with the flow and recognizing, I think for example, like six years ago, seven years ago, I would sometimes keep shooting a person try a different angle actually maybe maybe if you stood over there or could we could we try it from this side and if they were gracious enough to let me direct them so much and spend so much time with me I would maybe come home and be like actually none of those worked I'm a lot better now at recognizing very quickly mm. if it doesn't work and it's not their fault or any any situation just sometimes it just doesn't flow the energy's not right it's just something's not right and I won't beat a dead horse now. I, you know, I can see if it was working and I can see if it's not working. And so in that way, yeah, I am editing because I know what's going to work and what's not. Right. Sometimes as well, though, I found if I go back into hard drives from years ago and pull out a shoot, I'll be, I did this recently when I was working on this book. I was going through some old photographs from, you know, years gone by. Even, you know, let's say I'd met up with someone to do some portraits and you know it's either a friend or an interesting guy that I'd met or something and so I had a lot of different types of photos because we'd spent more time together and I couldn't believe the photos I selected at the time as the ones that were my favorites and I will find ones which were so much more interesting to me now you know me in 2025 might think differently right. and I think you know your eye consciously constantly changes but also you know maybe you'll go back and find way more that you didn't like or you're being a too harsh a critic 
on yourself, right. you know, from a different point of view in a different time period. So at this point in your career, how do you discern which jobs to take or which not to? I mean, there's definitely things that I'm not interested in doing. When I, when I first started doing photography, you're just trying to make ends meet. You're just happy to be shooting and to be paid to, to shoot. And that's a really nice position to be in actually because every, you just take on everything and just experiment. Um, something I learned quickly that I do not enjoy is shooting events. I really dislike that. I, especially, you know, a fashion week, what I would do in the early days is I would shoot street style. I can't quite remember, but I think I probably was shooting street style and not really doing it for brands or magazines or anything. I was just doing it for myself. And so in order to fund myself doing fashion weeks, I would get paid to do some event photography. And I would always feel like the help. And I really didn't like that feeling. I felt like I was begging people to take their photo, like, oh, please, just one second, and please don't spill your drink on me. Uh, you know, like trying to be really nice and like formulate this thing. And you end up with generic photos, obviously, because like it's just a front-facing flash that's just the same thing, people looking to camera. And it just was not my vibe. So yes, if so, and, and people sometimes still do, like brands will sometimes approach me because they want, quote-unquote, my style, but, it, that's almost impossible. How do you shoot your style when you've got no control over lighting or environment or subject? <laughs> You're just there with a camera shooting, you know? Right. So yes, that is an example of a job that I wouldn't take. But on the whole, what's interesting is people, I think people do see my work and then want to shoot me something that's similar to what I already do. That can be limiting because a lot of the time people will say, well, oh, we want to shoot an editorial that's street style. And I don't actually necessarily think that my aesthetic is very street style. I think if you ask the average person what a street style photograph would look like and what they would pull up is relatively different to mine. I think mine's actually even more classic that classic portraiture. Like it's, it's not quite the street style thing. So often brands will approach me and say, we want to do a street style type of shoot. And I will then come back with a, counter proposal of doing yeah for sure we can do something like that but why don't we move it in this direction and then another thing i often get is a, when a mood board comes through and we're at that stage of discussion most of the images are mine which is a compliment obviously it's great because they like my work but also it's like i you know i kind of want to be pushed a wee bit i want to see what how i could take it in a new direction so if it's something i've already shot before it's something i've already shot before so it's just replicating something again but that makes sense you know you, you know if it's got a commercial job right. they want a formula that works and it's gonna you know do well so yeah i understand that but mostly people approach me for something that they know that is achievable and that, that i already do and they've seen in my portfolio so right so yeah do you have any particularly memorable shoots that really stick out in your mind people ask me that a lot and it's quite hard you know, it's funny because I said earlier I'm quite a nostalgic person, but I also am very forward looking. So I think that poses two problems. One is living in the moment. I have to be quite conscious of making sure I live in the moment because I can be so focused on what's next and also remembering stuff. <laughs> so I, I find it hard to remember if I really get into it, if I looked at a list of jobs that I did, I would remember the job, I'd remember what happened, I'd probably remember conversations that I had, but I find it hard to hold on to that sort of memory. So nothing sticks in my head, but what does stick in my head are bigger projects that I did. So I've done three books. I'm working on my fourth book at the moment, actually, I've nearly finished it. Um, the first two books were a project I did in 2012 called 100 Beards, 100 Days. Right. So every day for 100 days, I, I photographed a bearded man on the street. And it was just a sort of fun challenge as an extension to the street style that I was already doing. But I wanted to do something that was a little less fashion and a little more just about the person. And that ended up just really coincidentally in a nice way hitting the zeitgeist and it became something beyond what I thought it was going to be. So we did two books off the back of that. And in doing that process, there were a lot of really nice synergies that happened. So it might be something really simple, like I would go into a bar and I would chat to the barman. I had one situation in London, I was chatting to the barman. And then he was like, oh, I know that project. And then he'd be like, my cousin's in there and my girlfriend's brother. And, you know, there was like, <laughs> 
a lot of there was a lot of connections right so someone would know a few people in the book even though london's a huge city it was all the first one was all shot in london and i will very rarely i can count on one hand how many times i've had a situation where i bump into friends in a different neighborhood unless you live right near them you just never see the same people in london like it's, it's always a constant flow of traffic and so to have this project where people knew quite a few people it was it felt kind of fun like i was like there was something happening beyond me you know for sure so that sticks in my head and then also one of the subjects his mother was ill when i photographed him i just stopped him in greenwich in london and i photographed him and i took his email i took everyone's emails and i'd emailed them the photograph and about six months later he emailed me and said that his mum was really ill and she was in hospital and she hardly was responding to anything and he showed her that photo and she smiled and it, she died and it was the last smile that he, they ever shared together oh so those sorts of moments obviously incredibly touching and it's just a you know wonderful to be a part of someone's life story that they you know that sticks in their head those things really stick in my head in terms of photography and also those are rare like real human connections are rare not just in photography and life and that in its true essence is why i love photography actually because it's just a connector mm -hmm. it's just a connection to other people in in the world absolutely yeah yeah so uh, you mentioned another book can you talk about that? Or yeah, no? yeah. So, um, so uh, yeah, that's right. The third book I did was called Gentleman. So that was in 2015. And that was 60 portraits of uh, just interesting men in London who had interesting jobs and were, were sort of doing cool things at the time. And then this most recent book, I was approached a quite a while ago now. It must have been about three years ago by a publisher to do a book. They asked me to propose some some topics and you know one of them I knew they were going to choose which was what you expect from me so if you looked at my Instagram or my portfolio the majority of photographs are male focused um, usually sort of style based and a lot of them on locations on the street so it's it's going to be a men's style photography book I think the title is going to be Garçon style they want something in the title which reflects the Garçon John thing uh, yeah so it's going to be about 300 pages street style and portraits from four cities London, Milan, Paris, New York so the four fashion capitals Wow. a lot of the photographs are going to be from Fashion Week but also just you know interesting characters that I've found along the way and there are going to be interviews with men in each of the cities so I think there's about three or four interviews in each city and it will have portraits of each of the guys in each place. Very cool. Yeah, so we're, we're at the final stages. I've just confirmed the cover just before I left for LA. And yeah, we're just tweaking some final things. So, so yeah, wow. we're at an exciting stage. Can't wait to see that. Yeah, that'll be out in September 2019, so September oh. this year. So when you're not traveling, do you shoot every day or do you have any sort of artist practice or creative routine that you like to keep up there was a period of time which i made sure i shot every day to see how that would affect my work and i do feel like i learned probably more than i've learned in any other period in doing that just shooting if anyone asked me for advice a lot of people dm me on instagram and ask me for advice i think it's just practice you know but no i don't i'm not currently doing that i think in some ways actually not shooting every day has helped me because it can almost feel like a chore in a way. You don't want it to feel like a job. You know, it should feel joyful. And especially over fashion week periods, you know, there's four months out of my year when I'm shooting street style and that's fashion week, January, February, June and September. And I am shooting every day and it's a intense period. So there'll be a period where I'm not shooting. So, you know, after, at the end of February, it's actually March, about March 4th, it's finishing this year, women's will end. I'll probably take a week off and not shoot anything. But I do, like I love shooting with my iPhone. I shoot with my iPhone a lot and I shoot funny things. I shoot, you know, street stuff, a lot of stuff I don't post. Actually, a lot of those photos go on my Instagram stories rather than, you know, on the main feed. And, you know, we had discussed earlier me writing actual stories that go with the photos. It's a lot of iPhone stuff because that's, you know, quick. And I do also carry around, you know, a 35mm point and shoot camera, but sometimes it's just easier to grab your phone and take the photo uh, and if it's just about documenting something right there then yeah yeah the iPhone's great yeah for sure I've, I've grown to love it I've always never been a wide-angle guy so it took a lot of mm. getting used to I've always been a 50 or I'm the same. <laughs> even narrow huh. do you have a, a favorite lens length that you go for 
Yes. So for a long time, it was the 50 actually. And then I started using a 70 to 200 lens at Fashion Week. And I fell in love with that. I think for Fashion Week, it was more for the reason of being able to get more images in a shorter space of time. You don't have to cross the street. You can stand there and just zoom in. But I also love the, the feeling that that lens gives. I think, yeah, 70 to 85 sort of length is is nice because it feels cinematic and it's often will give that shallow depth of field that's kind of like dreamy right yeah. for sure the other thing I, I wanted to come back to was the the written stories that mm. you mentioned on your instagram stories mm -hmm. i love those they're just sort of these this whimsical little like sketches almost yeah. just uh Cool. How did that come about or what, what made you want to start doing that? Thank you. That's cool to hear. So many people mention the stories more than my work, actually. They always mention the fact that I write stories. Um, that I, The first one I did, it was really unplanned. I was in a cafe. It was raining very hard. I was cold. It was during Fashion Week, actually. And I think it was February of 2018. And there is a really great cafe in... Um, lower marsh which is by waterloo station and they do excellent hot chocolate if anyone wants to visit and it's always got characters in it and i i'm not over there that much but when i am i usually go in and there was a man sitting there and either something about brexit had happened or there was something with politics and he was telling the room about it like he was just announcing to the room because he just read it in the headline and and it just tickled me. And I was sitting at the bar having a coffee or hot chocolate. And I was, I had taken a photograph of the table anyway, like there was a coffee table and nice light by the window. And so I was gonna post that picture. And then he said that, and then I wrote, you know, something about sitting in the cafe and then a man shouts out and all this. And I did write before that, I guess, thinking about it, I, I did, I do like keep diary and I keep notes and stuff like that, but I, uh, never thought of translating that to online and and I just liked the way it flowed I liked the way the photo looked with the text so the rest of that fashion week I kept writing things and I also feel like in life you know the idea that there's no such thing as coincidence and right. I saw a video where Oprah was talking about the word coincidence and like I can't quite remember what it was but it was something about its Latin form actually doesn't mean what we think it means. Coincidence isn't a sort of unusual situation where two things happen and it just was a funny thing. Coincidence is actually this mathematical thing where two things are aligned and it's an intentional thing. So this idea, this is a very LA thing to me, like, uh, you know, this kind of hippie spiritual stuff, but I love it, where, you know, the universe has this all laid out and this is all meant to be. And I feel like, the world the whole world is filled with those things you just have to have your eyes open to see them and so doing those stories m was great at trying to make me more conscious all the stories are true you know everything i write is it's never fiction so it's only when i have something funny to say that something funny happened that i want to share it you know right which means that it's not that consistent i don't write the stories that consistently but it's made me more aware of my surroundings and these funny funny situations and also like just nice things they're not always profound for example when i went to milan you know the smaller cities like milan over fashion week it's like everyone knows it's fashion week you know in london it's so big and there's so much going on Fashion Week is just one of many, many, many things that are happening. So people, the average person doesn't really care that it's Fashion Week. Whereas Milan, it's a part of their culture. You know, fashion is a part of Italian culture. And I got into a taxi and uh, before I even said anything, he asked me if I was going to Gucci. And it was just <laughs> this funny thing. So, I, you know, I was like, yes, I am actually. And he took me there. And the fact he even knew where it was, you know, it's, it's this thing, this taxi driver who knew it was Gucci. So that was one of the stories, you know, I got into the taxi, he asked me, am I going to Gucci? And it's those things, I think writing it down made me remember it as well. Right. Otherwise I would have just laughed and thought, oh, that's funny. And then moved on. So, <laughs> so yeah. That's pretty hilarious though. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. My only real experience with any sort of fashion week was I spent my birthday last year in Florence, right during PT, Pity Womo. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, wow, this is intense. <laughs> yes, it is. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, I didn't attend any of the events or anything. It was just anytime I went to one of my favorite restaurants, it was just packed with, mm. you know, debonair men. And, yeah, you know, that's what I love about Pity actually is, um, 
because Florence is so small, it does dominate. I'm sure the Florentine people do not like it, but um, you can go any any restaurant and you see all these people just dressed incredibly well. And actually, I think a lot of men who live there anyway do dress well. Oh, yeah. You know, I would argue, yeah, Florence is yeah, Florence is. I, if I had to pick a favorite city, it would probably be hmm. Florence. I got to study abroad there ages ago and have been back many times, but I am just always in awe of the lengths that the men go to to yeah put on a suit to go get a coffee and yeah i do love that it's just a part of their culture and life and it's also passed down generationally you know they know about fabrics and they know about cuts and uh yeah that's incredible because that's it's not really part of british culture you know style in the uk is a lot more like anti-establishment if anything so it's not really about rules but italians know the rules (laughs) Yeah, yeah for sure there are rules for everything yeah Totally. Including the cutoff, the cappuccino. <laughs> yes. Oh, I have had so many judgmental situations in Italy where I <laughs> asked for a cappuccino and they're like, what? It's after three o'clock or whatever <laughs> yeah. time it is. I love it. I mean, I, I'm definitely influenced by Italian style. When I lived there, I just loved the way Italians approach everything, mm. you know, to the morning espresso. Everything is just, it's just elevated. So when was that? When did you... I studied abroad there in, uh, in the spring of 1999. Okay try to get back as often as possible I was yeah lucky enough to just be there in october okay cool yeah any chance i get i guess that's kind of it okay. from my side is there anything you feel like you want to add or talk about i want to know about you more how did you get into photography what interests you about photography and also what selfishly about my photography you know how how does that influence what you do or what what were you interested in i have been trying to find my own style with photography for a couple of years and I think I sort of found what spoke to me a while back. I'd always been interested in details and good light and all that kind of stuff. And then I stumbled upon Ralph Gibson, who's an older photographer. He was, you know, back in New York in the day with all the greats. And he had this idea of creating a visual signature with your photography. Like somebody Mm -hmm. should be able to look at your photo and know that you took it. Mm -hmm. And I loved that idea. And he also, has a bit more of a philosophical approach to the way he shoots. So he'll, he'll go out with an idea in his mind and look for the elements that reflect whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And I liked that idea rather than just sort of walking around aimlessly. Mm-hmm. But with yours specifically, I think it was, there's backstory mm-hmm. or at least I'm projecting one into each one of the photos. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I struggle with is, is creating a cohesive body of work. Yeah. And uh, I feel like you do a great job of, making like they can be in different locations but you know it's yours yeah that's interesting i think as much as it is you know is conscious to make the image stand out individually our influences as creative people or even just as regular people any anyone you have so many stimuli in life and so if i look at my bookshelf and the different types of photographers that i have at home the books on my shelf have a very broad range of aesthetic and I think you wouldn't necessarily assume that I liked a lot of different things. You know, people, for in terms of my work, will mainly know me for street style, I think, particularly because, you know, of the Vogue stuff. And I don't really have any street style books at home. I never, I don't look at street style, you know. <laughs> um, so in terms of being specific about aesthetic, it's hard to say because there's so many different things and why you choose, why you land on a certain way of shooting or a certain type of subject. I think, I mean, for me, I think in, in terms of my work, that also reflects in my work. If you would put me beside another fashion photographer or street photographer or something like that, their interest in fashion, all capital letters, is um, different to my approach. You know, they're interested in the current faces, the, the the new girl who's everyone's talking about and, you know, walking the big shows or a brand which is blowing up. Whereas I am a lot more interested in a photograph, like I said earlier, you know, a good photograph is my primary interest, but also something that you would look at in 10 years or 50 years. And it's not just, oh, that was what was cool in 2019. It's longevity maybe or classic more of a classic look and in terms of my life too like I don't buy into trends and I have a uniform sort of style that I stick to 
Um, I'm the same way. So. I, I have a uniform, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Which yeah. comprises mostly of navy blue. Same here. <laughs> it works. Thanks so much for doing this on uh, such short notice. I know you've got a packed schedule and uh, you're still recovering from fashion weeks, but I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It's been great talking to you. Same here.